Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Kieran Rogers. And I'm Daniel Rolls. And today, Daniel, we are talking about social fakery. We are. So Kieran has been doing some research, and fairly extensive research, I should say, as well. Yeah. And looking at the level of fake social accounts, fake followers, and so on. Now, I'm going to caveat this before we even get going. We're going to try and come at this from a bit of an open-minded point of view. Not to say that all accounts are fake and it's all rubbish, but neither to say this is all totally real and we shouldn't you know, be put down by these things. So let, let's kind of get into it. Um, what I would say is that Kieran's always had a healthy, healthy cynicism towards influencer marketing, shall we uh, say. It's so powered the depths of this research. Yeah, I was going to say that your dislike is probably powered. So we need to make sure we're not being biased. We're coming at this to try and prove something that we, we think to be the case. But let's get into it. So, uh, how big is the problem? Let's kind of talk about that. What did you find out? So the, I picked up a recently PR web is a really interesting article. The research was done by a Swedish e-commerce startup called A Good Company and um, a, a tool which specialises in using artificial intelligence to identify fake followers uh, within different accounts. This tool's called Hype Auditor and basically they assessed 1.8 million Instagram accounts across 82 countries and they found some really interesting things. So their study said that in the UK, nearly 10 million accounts are fake. Uh, if you look at the US, I think it was 49 million. In Brazil, they found 27 million. India, 16 million. So it would tend to indicate from their research that the problem of fake accounts is a, you know, a, a real big problem worldwide. And they also found that the proportion of accounts in the UK that have either bought followers, comments or used engagement bots is around 54%. Um, so, I mean, nothing to be proud of, but we're slightly behind the, the US at 60%. And there's a world average of 57, 57% of people buying, buying followers. I was shocked at this. It's like, wow, really? I, I can't believe that. I mean, maybe it's just in my, my naivety, but it's No, like, I also agree. That sounds like a huge amount because I wouldn't say if I spoke to 10 people, had they, you know, five or six of them bought followers, or even if I spoke to 10 companies, I can't imagine that five and six out of 10 not only would admit, but actually had bought followers at all. So it's probably skewed, I would imagine, by some organisations doing it at quite a large scale or some individuals doing it at a large scale. Yeah. What we should also say at this stage, which I think is interesting, is this idea of using artificial intelligence to identify it. I can go through my Instagram account manually and I can look at each of the users and you can pretty quickly work out which ones are fake. So I've got a whole slew lately of Chinese accounts following me that have got about six images on their Instagram profile and it's just products. So you can kind of see whether there's something going on there. Um, I can always tell if there is a ridiculously attractive and ridiculously semi-naked lady following me all of a sudden that it's probably not true. Uh, and you tend to find that's the case when you look into these accounts that are repeating pictures and repeating comments and all those kind of things. So you can see a lot of it easily. The, the excesses you can see, but as we will discover, because I've, I've spent the week looking at the dark side of social uh, networks and Honestly, just just shocked, shocked left, right, and centre at the the extremes. I suppose I shouldn't be because there, you know, there's a lot of money in this, and and you know, influencer marketing has become a a, a huge thing, and and influencers know that marketing companies and and, and networks will actually monetize them based on 
the potential reach of their audience. So, you know, for a lot of influencers, this is, you know, down to a cost per per thousand people that they have within their their network. That's right. So, uh, you know, of course, the the temptation is, is there, and uh, you know, we all have an equal capacity to do good or bad uh, inbuilt within us. Like, I'm I'm no saint. That's that's for sure. But you make choices, right? And I I will always naturally try and make the right choice to keep my integrity intact. I've always believed that as a marketer, if you don't have your integrity, you, you're just another liar trying to sell stuff. And I've never wanted to be labelled with that kind of kind of label. It's, it's really, really important to me. But, you know, even I recognise that when I see opportunities, there's a part of me that goes, oh, do you, do you realise actually you could, this could be gamed and you could do this and you could, could do this. Um, so we, we need to explore this. We'll go into it a little bit, little bit more detail. But the, the first thing I really wanted to share with the audience, have a look at what Google says, uh, the kind of average number of monthly searches for things like uh, by Instagram followers. Yeah. This, this is quite <laughs> it's amazing. It's really shocking. Like even in the UK, it was like over 18,000 a month. And I think it, when I looked at the US, it was something like over 60,000 a month. And and that that was kind of, for me, that, that's why I checked it. I thought, no, I can't believe this research. And actually, when I saw those numbers, it's like, well, well, heck yeah, this this is a thing, right? Yeah, I mean, you can see it really clearly. If you look at Google Trends or you look at, uh, use it at all like Keywords Everywhere or the Keyword Planner tool, just to look at the volumes related to these kind of searches it's huge and there's all sorts of variations people are trying as well well it's it, it's not just limited to instagram as well it's all, all the social networks yeah. so you can try it for linkedin you can try it for twitter you can try it for for for, for any of them facebook <laughs> you know that there 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 are waves and waves of people looking at to just grow those meaningless metrics really well we've talked about this for ages from a business point of view, the vanity metrics we've all been obsessed with you know how many likes how many followers and now what's happened there's been a social pressure built because if you've got 10,000 Instagram followers, not even necessarily that you're going to try and make money from that. But in your peer group, if you're a teenager and you've got loads of followers, that looks quite impressive. So there's there's all sorts of social pressures at hand here to say, actually, it looks impressive. People are noticing these things. There are pressures from kids at school, one another and so on. So it's a pretty broad problem that we've driven ourselves towards. And we need to kind of look a bit beyond it. So so tell us what else you found. So I had a look at some more research that high auditor did um they did this back in october 2018 i'll put links to there's a really good slide share uh, deck that i'll put links to it's put together by alex frolov uh, who's the ceo of hype auditor um and obviously hype auditor is a tool that you know has been designed to try and identify fakery within social media accounts but that what they did they analyzed bloggers with between five and twenty thousand followers and used a whole whole number of reports requested by their clients since like a year earlier like two uh, earlier on in 2018 and basically they found there that only 45 percent of the followers of these people were real wow the rest were bots or inactive accounts or mass followers and they also found that two out of every five likes uh, appeared to be non-authentic and in the, the the slide share, Alex makes the really good point that actually you could, if you're just looking at, at top line metrics, have two seemingly identical bloggers who appear to have you know a similar actual cost of cost cost per per thousand uh, views um, on on their feeds and stuff. But actually, if one of them has a very high proportion of of fake followers, the you know e- easily the the actual real CPM is going to more than more than double. So it's fraud. Like people are actually taking money out of out of out of marketers' budgets to do this, knowing that they've 
potentially inflated their their their, their numbers just to get get more money. And it, I, I don't know how stupid it that, that is fraud, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think I concerned about how this has grown and how a lot of it actually that's one side is that I've bought it I've actively sought out a large audience but I noticed as my Twitter following grew so when I got past about 5,000 followers it started to kind of get quicker and it was kind of exponentially growing and I think it is that there are tools out there that looking for accounts that have got quite a few followers that are then going mass following those accounts as well to just to try and engage and post content and all those kind of things because it, it has got worse and worse. And actually, if I look at my, when I've done analysis previously, the first two or 3,000 of my followers, uh, the, the fake level was very, very low and it got higher and higher as you got into later percentages. Now, that may just be because it's got more of a problem as time's gone on, but it also could be the type of accounts that they're targeting as well. So, but it is fraud. If someone's doing it actively and then selling that audience, that's fraud. It's like publishing a newspaper saying that you've got 50,000 readers when you know you haven't. So the one thing I would say is that the account owners themselves aren't necessarily responsible for what's, for what's in there. You know, uh, people do sometimes farm these things out to agencies. So the agency could be engaging in the dubious um, activity. I think it's very interesting when you start looking at political um, figures. I had to look. I had to look at our own politicians um, versus um, some of the leading politicians in the states. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. Donald Trump allegedly, if you if you look at Spark Turu, which is a, a a free, very good uh, tool for trying to identify um, like fake followers and, and what have you on Twitter. Donald Trump, I think his his accounts assessed to over sixty percent. But you know, in that in that sphere, there's all sorts of uh, reasons why that that could be. It's not necessarily that that individual is gaming the system, um, although they could be. You know, it's just down to each individual to know what their activities are and and how that that number has has actually grown. I want to just come back to a point you made a moment ago about agencies, and I just suddenly thought about something you know you said well it's not necessarily their fault their agency might have to do some bad practice it is our responsibility that our agencies should be following our ethical practice uh yeah well, it's not necessarily their fault but it is their responsibility totally yeah yeah that's it yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah, point yeah. um uh, some more interesting research we found um back in september of last year pr week did um, a breakfast meeting they had a chap called philip Trippenbach, who at the time was Endelman's uh, UK head of influencer. And actually, he was saying that a social ad on Facebook's newsfeed uh, is about four times cheaper on a CPM basis than, you know, literally posting a post by a micro-influencer. And, you know, but potentially his figures are being influenced by the, the, the level of, of, of fake fakeness that, that's out there because they're actually looking not just at you know what influences they're pushing stuff out but how much actual engagement um do you actually get back uh, at the end of, of any promotion so you know they're finding that actually it's actually better to 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 pay for you know targeted ads um a micro influence on on that score which i thought was really really interesting yeah and i think it's then thinking about how is this how is this coming about who's actually doing this so you know we've got that we used to talk about click farms from from search before and we've got these different tools or auto follow and things like that what did you find out of how this kind of shady side is, mm. is coming about so i delved into the dark side of this I'll, again i'll put a few links in this because this was i mean this might be an old hat to, to some of our listeners but but in my naive little isle of white bubble this was a real eye opener so you know a, a click farm uh, essentially they're they're rooms full of computers or phones and literally have thousands of these things on racks and they're set up to either manually or automatically generate clicks on comments and likes and social media engagement on platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, etc. And 
what what I think is really interesting about the click click farm that there's different levels of, of fakery going on in here. So you, you actually create yourself a problem if you just go out and buy thousands and thousands of followers, because if they're fake followers, they're not going to interact with your account, right? So you know, and this is one of the things that pretty much all of the tools that you know purport to try and identify uh, fakery will will look at, and it and it's quite an easy thing to to, to spot even manually actually. You know, if if somebody's got literally thousands of, of followers but those followers aren't ever interacting with them there's 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 a rat there right so you, you pay small amounts of money to get hundreds or thousands of, of followers within these networks but you then create uh, a reliance it's kind of like a gateway drug to, to more hardcore activity that's a lot more expensive right so now you've got to uh, pay someone with some you know either a lot of people uh, with uh, tappy fingers on these click farm racks or uh, a very smart algorithm to actually you know fake the the engagement and that that's harder to do because it has to be done gradually for each post that you do and and over a period or it gets flagged up as a little bit unnatural by by some of the the, the more advanced algorithms out there and there are so many companies like offering this I, I'm really 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 shocked I even found you know what one company who you know, you go to their websites and they look quite—they look quite legit, right? They—they—they uh, they, they, and they make <laughs> claims that you know major leading global brands. I'm not going to mention any names because I don't know how genuine those claims are. But you know, they've got their logos and stuff on their websites saying, "Yeah, these these guys are actually our customers. It's it's perfectly okay. Everyone else is doing it." It's like, no, not really. Not, not really, and I, I don't know that I believe the claims that they're that they're necessarily making. Well, it's interesting. This is this is like when it was peak SEO link yeah. building, and there were tools and websites everywhere that would sell you links, and people thought that's okay, and they kind of did. and even now I, I still get approached one out of five training courses I reckon someone going, oh, I, I can buy links on this place. Is that okay? And it's like no, it's, not. <laughs> it's really <laughs> not. Like you, I, I I know I bang on about this all all the time, but I think it's so integrity is so important and as marketers we should be doing things for our our customers not to them and actually trying to pull the wool over their eyes with with fakery like this is is it's not a nice thing it's not something you do to friends right well i don't know i've got <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Me. I mean, that's, I, I, know, me I know, I know, I know. You talk about that, but even so, Daniel, <laughs> I absolutely agree. I think, from an ethical point of view, this is shady as heck. I mean, this is even worse than the SEO link building thing, in my opinion, because everyone's just like, "Well, I think I should be number one in Google, and I think I really deserve to be number one in Google because I think my website's great." Whereas this is just like, "Look at me! I've got lots of followers, and we're really..." And it's yeah, it's just horrible. It's horrible. So. um you mentioned a few of the tools. I thought it's worth just discussing that AI yeah. bit for a moment. Yeah. So the whole thing of pattern recognition, the idea being that a computer is much better at recognizing patterns in large uh, pools of data than the humans are yeah. is really there. But actually, these tools are only ever as good as the algorithm they've built, which is really important. So if they've just built one that is detecting inactive accounts or an account that hasn't posted in ages, then it will be accurate to a certain level. But that could also be a, an active or real account that's become inactive. But it is these ones that are using the more clever techniques that Kieran's talked about that are harder to detect. And actually, as the machine learning algorithms get smarter, we should see a greater ease of doing this. Now, what I don't really know to which extent is how much are Facebook, Instagram, Twitter creating algorithms of their own to detect this stuff and then doing something about it? I, I've been thinking about this and actually it's the elephant in the room for them, isn't it? It's, it if, if the levels of fakery are this much... You know, 
pushing 40, 50%, 60% in some, in some circles. How, how are they going to deal with this? I'll I tell you an interesting story. This is like from way back, way back in time. Back in the mid, late Middle Ages, the, the Catholic Church recognised that it actually, I can't remember the details of it, I think whether it was slightly more or slightly less than 365 days to, for the Earth to, to circle the sun. Right, because it was a fraction out over the kind of 14, 1500 years since they'd started their calendar. They recognised that the, the calendar was out. So they, the Pope came at the time, came up with the idea of, well, we'll just remove a day from, from the diary and that will correct it. And there were mass demonstrations um, and, and riots in the street because the people at the time believed that they, the Pope had shortened their, their lives by a day, <laughs> which he hadn't, right? I like yeah. the thinking. No, no, no. I'm more concerned if my birthday was on that day, what would happen? <laughs> well, you'd just, you, you just have missed a birthday, right? I'd, you'd, you'd be right. I'd live forever be, by be... that logic because I'd never age. <laughs> but anyway, I, I digress he, wait, horribly, no, he, so he please just, carry on. He just rolled the calendar back one day right, to, to, right. to, to correct it, right? But people thought he'd removed That's a day it. from their lives and that was outrageous. Who did he think he was? Well, he was the Pope God's representative on, on earth at the time as it, as it happened. But the reason why that's relevant is I think that a similar thing would, 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 would happen. We should disclaim this. There are other religions. Are, of course. With other. <laughs> however, however, the, the reason why this is relevant is that I think a similar thing would, would, would happen. Obviously, this does all get a little bit hypothetically complicated and we are speaking hypothetically here however if levels of fakery are as high as this research we've been looking at suggests they might be and the social networks were to hypothetically tackle it head-on successfully every business on the planet would see their metrics like drop rapidly now which social network would would actually have the gumption to to risk doing that and also what would that do for their reputation with the marketers who've been you know, staking their reputations, their professional reputations, that the numbers that they've been reporting are accurate. And suddenly the social network goes, actually, you know, like 40, 50% of it was, was fake and we're removing it all. Like, uh, There's a couple of things that strike me is that, first, it's like it's easier to live with the lie. That's not a very good thing at all. No, do you know what? I'm not um, endorsing this. I'm just saying that's, that's I know, the commercial I know. reality of it. They're as much stuck in the game as everybody well, I tell else. You why, I, I tell you why it's a problem. The reality is, if you've been paying for advertising and you've been paying for advertising for some period of time and have spent a lot of money and then the people that have been selling advertising were to come out and say that money you spent with us, <laughs> uh, a lot of it was actually fake accounts. There is almost certainly a breach of contract in there somewhere mm. and that could lead to a whole load of litigation, yeah. particularly in very litigious markets. And the reality, it could cause absolute carnage. And there's this is bit, it is an elephant in the room, really, because, or a... Or, or, uh, ticking time bomb i mean there's all sorts of analogies we could use for this one because in reality if you're paying for something that's fake and actually you could demonstrate the fact they knew it was fake that would cause a big problem now, i'll give you one quick example the scenario i mentioned a moment ago was that we've got that one particular facebook post that we always use the screenshots of it's a couple of years old now and it was how to kill your brand in 140 characters uh 12 and a half social media disasters or something along those lines so when you go through and you look at the comments there's dozens of them and it looks like really, really great levels of engagement. And then you suddenly realise it's all fake. And then they're speaking to each other, these bots that were actually commenting and having these conversations with each other. Why are they doing it? Because they were trying to game the Facebook algorithm to make their page more popular. But we'd actually boosted that post mm. and we'd paid for some of that visibility. And you could look at it and work out it was all pretty much fake. So 
that's an example scenario and a really obvious one but it, it's obviously happening in a lot of places this is a big issue so it'll be interesting to see how this this kind of progresses we'll go to some of the social platforms and ask some commentary the <laughs> likelihood of getting any is probably fairly slim um but we'll we'll, we'll see what's said because it is obviously a big topic so what are we going to do about this? Well, I think we should you know, try and craft some solution. For me, the number one solution is don't be tempted to, to jump on that bandwagon because it's a, it's a really slippery slope. Should the industry not really get together and have some sort of best practice around this? Yeah, I think. And actually just come out and say, right, let's identify what percentage of audiences are fake. Yeah. Let's go through and set some best practice guidance in terms of reporting on this data. Um, but this has always been the problem in digital marketing, particularly in terms of there being any set of guidelines for industry to follow yeah. or people actually follow them because it's all moving so quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I don't know that there is. Is there a body for the influencer industry? That- well, there's a number in each different country that are responsible for it to some level. So you've got things like the Advertising Standards Agency yeah, yeah. in the UK, um, the Internet Advertising Bureau that might maybe get involved but really haven't got any remit at the moment and so on. So that what I would suggest is that it's a problem because it's global and there isn't really one body responsible for it. There may be in each country some legal as if when they have to, you know, say this is an ad, for example, this isn't an organic post. But I think as an industry, we could lay out some guidelines that we should follow and actually just say, look, this is what we should report on. This is how we should report. This is what we should and shouldn't do and take some sort of level of responsibility for yeah. that. I, I also think, you know, there's an education thing here for, for marketers because actually if we're all having our wool, the wool pulled over our eyes by, you know, big numbers and not really digging into that, so, you know, we, we've got to, as, a, as an industry, just stop focusing on reach. You know, you need to look at things like relevancy on authority in a particular area. You know, how active are these individual influencers within a, a particular space? And, you know, what does their record suggest that, that they are? And, and then I also think, you know, everybody should take a look at some of these influencer grading tools. They're not the whole solution. Um, and, you know, as, as we've explained, they're, they're now... AI is being applied to not only, you know, growing fake followers, but also providing levels of fake interactions so that that fakeness is harder to detect. So it's a cat and mouse game, but there's some some really good influencer tools out there. It's worth mentioning a couple of them. I think people could take a look at. Great. I, I really like Spark Toro. Uh, Spark Toro, a new startup um, company. It's it's from Rand Fishkin. Yeah, right? Rand Fishkin from, uh, from Moz. Moz. Um, after he left Moz, he's he's setting up um, Spark Toro, and they've got a, a whole wealth of tools that they're about to to launch shortly. But already they've got Spark Toro, which you can analyze any Twitter account um, and and see the the, the levels uh, that their algorithm predicts are, are potentially potentially a bit fishy. Um, there's also uh, Hype Auditor, who were the people that commissioned all this research in the first place. But actually, I really like their re- reports. You go along to Hype Auditor, you can get one free report, and then you can pay for ad- additional ones. But the, the reports are are very, very detailed. I'd also, I want to give a shout out to fakecheck.co. The Fake Check have an awesome blog, uh, which was where I started my journey into the, the more shady side of how all this, this stuff works. And I really like, on their website, you can go to... Uh, 10 worst offenders uh, which is like a list of the brilliant account and it is hilarious like really 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 fun but i think there again you begin to see the the, the scale of the problem they've also got you know 10 10 best accounts as well um but definitely check their tool out and and check out check out the links that they've got on on their blog excellent now they give me i'm going to give you one solution yeah and one plan yeah go so on. one absolute solution but it's a very brutal solution to this is that what you can do is you make sure you never do social in isolation. And what I mean by that is that whenever you do social, you try and drive someone to a website. Yep. 
So if you tweet, it's about driving the website, a LinkedIn post, a Facebook post. Where this comes unstuck a bit is with Instagram, unless you're doing ads or have got a certain level of following. Yeah. You know, Instagram isn't driving traffic very much from the link in your bio. Um, it may be if you've got a story and you've got more than 10,000 followers, you can drive traffic. But what I would say is if you don't do social isolation and it's always about getting someone to a website, you can then look at reports like multi-channel funnels in Google Analytics and you can see how much did your social contribute. And if you're spending all these money on these influencers and actually social isn't contributing to the journey, it isn't one of the steps, it's not working. Yeah. And you can very, very look at it from a data point of view. However, brand reinforcement, brand awareness, it doesn't take into account those things. So it's not a perfect model, but it is one solution. The other suggested plan, uh, I'm going to create a fake influencer. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to pay someone to take a photo of them. I'm yeah. going to license the photo. Oh, gonna, oh um, no, be... ah, I can give you a website. Ah, right, where AI generate someone. Yeah, will AI generate a fake person? Because you can do that. There's some quite good tools out there that I found. Right, we're going to AI generate a fake person. We're going to give them a bio. We're going to take pictures of their beautiful life. And we're going to leave commentary on things. And we're going to buy a load of followers. And then I'm going to see if I can sell that into anyone. Um, I'm not going to take anyone's money. I should make that very, very clear. <laughs> But I'm going to see how how well that would work, and we will report back on this in a couple of months and to see how it's progressed. Uh, and I, this may be my new future alter ego. <laughs> so we'll I see how it goes. I believe this is where we're taking this, but yeah, bring it on. We'll okay. give it a go. We'll give it a go. Yeah. All right. Why not? Uh, the other thing I'll do, I'll, I'll do the other side of it as well. I think we should come up with a set of best practice or ethical guidelines, and then get them out. I want all the listeners to take a look at them, expand on them feedback on them yeah. and we'll try and build with the community a set of guidelines that we work to and if we're an agency or if we're a marketing department we say yeah we, we pledge to to follow this and maybe that's a way of taking this forward and, and trying to improve the situation i think also another little tip well a couple of other tips like one tip that you shared with me years ago which is a very rule of thumb thing but looking at the ratio of followers to follows just mm. and I know a lot of people have jumped on that bandwagon of right I'll follow like literally thousands of people and see whether I get like whether I get followers back and stuff um but it 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 does if you have that there it does suggest that they're potentially gaming gaming the system yeah. um I, I think um also like taking the individual looks at them like the follower makeup and actual activity and the actual amount of of, of engagement and stuff but the the problem is when you're reaching out to influencers who have you know, tens of thousands of, of, of followers that, you know, you really do need the AI to, to, to do that. Yeah, because the ratios get skewed all over yeah, the place. Exactly. Yeah, so one thing I've always done when it comes to influencer marketing, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I know there are some, you know, really good, great influencers out there that, you know, are all very legit and, and above board, is is as well as looking at their social media metrics, look at, look at more than one platform, but also take a look at their, you know, how well linked in their website is, because... Search engine links, backlinks are a lot harder, in, in my view, to, to, to fake. And actually, the Completely tools agree. exist to, if they are really poor links that are just very spammy, the tools exist to kind of grade that. So definitely take a look at things like Moz's Link Explorer and also Ubersuggest. Uh, we'll do this as well. Um, both of those, will you can give it any any blog uh, address and, and, and go that. And I think if that's massively out of kilter with the level of, of, of followers and also, you know, you've taken into account some of the other reports that you can get on specific social media accounts, it's going to help help everybody listening make sure that if they're engaging in, in influencer marketing that they're, you know, packing their, their packs and giving, giving the, they're getting the best bang for their buck. 
I would say as well, let's not be too cynical about this because all we're really talking about here is PR. And we've done this for years, which is influencing the influencers. <laughs> and it's it's not a new thing. And it's a thing that we've done for a very long time. And it just needs to be done responsibly and effectively. Yeah, yeah. And just like if you were paying to be featured uh, by a, a, a news outlet and you didn't make that clear, that wasn't ethical either. And yeah. There's a, there's a lot of it going on for a lot of time, but I think, yeah, it's very interesting space. So thank you very much, Kieran, for all that research and insight. Uh, check out the website for all of those links, targetinternet.com forward slash podcast, uh, and you'll see all of the different tools we mentioned in there. And we'll publish up our, our new alter ego uh, and also our <laughs> ethical guidelines as we build those in the coming months. Take a look, give us your comments, and we'd love to hear from you. So thank you for listening for the Digital Marketing Podcast. Thanks very much for listening to the Digital Marketing Podcast. If you want to continue your learning in digital marketing, get over to targetinternet.com and sign up for the free trial of our digital marketing e-learning platform. There's over 140 bite-sized courses for you to try and lots of other learning resources as well. So get on there and sign up for the free trial.